What is up? This is the Leafs Convo podcast for October 27, 2019. It is the Sunday spectacular after the craptacular in Montreal. The Leafs, a 5-2 loser to the rival Habs. Mr. Agello joins us. Michael. Uh, good morning, Norm. Uh, well, it was a stink burger. Uh, it was a terrible performance overall. I mean, the Leafs, and you got to r- recognize the fact they have given up the lead. They have allowed the opening goal in 10 of the 13 games they've played so far this year. And when you're playing the second of back-to-back games, which they have four times this month, you're operating with a limited amount of energy. So to ex- have to expend that energy to come back from a 2 nothing deficit. I mean, the second period was the best period of the game. You know, they got the late goal in the first from Muzzin. They tied it on Janssen's goal, and I thought they dominated the second, but they couldn't get the lead. And then seven seconds into the third period, Armia scores, and pretty much I think any energy they had left was gone. And in a way, it was very similar to how San Jose played against the Leafs on Friday. They stuck into it for most of two periods, and then in the third, the Leafs score three goals. So um, it, it can't be blamed on Michael Hutchinson because I thought he played pretty well. Um, this is a team that just doesn't get what it takes to win in back-to-back games. And in the four back-to-back situations this year, in the first game, they went 3-0-1. And in the second game, they went 0-3-1. That's unacceptable. This is the Leafs Convo Podcast for Oak Ridge Ford in London, Ontario. OakRidgeFord.com, 0% financing right now. Winner tire and rim package thrown into the deal on most new Ford purchases or leases. Message me inside the community section for more. Oh, we're giving away 55-inch smart TVs too. So come get your car. Come get your tires. Come get your television sets. Just don't watch the Leafs when they play like they did in Montreal. It's hard for the Leafs to get into a rhythm when they're playing back-to-back games to start the week and back-to-back games to finish the week. And then all of a sudden, a Monday game. This has the schedule been this contentious for fans of other teams? Well, it, it's not been equal because I know I think the New York Rangers have only played eight games in October. It's going to get much worse for them and much busier in future months. For some reason, you know, the Leafs' schedule in October was very uh, home. Uh, friendly in terms I think it was nine home games and they have one more to go in the month against Washington on Wednesday um, I believe Uh, and uh, four back-to-backs they have 14 back-to-backs this season I think the 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 highest is 19 back-to-backs but it's like that's like one I think it's one of the New York area teams which you know, that, that's a different type of back-to-back than the Leafs. It's like, you know, you play New Jersey and then you play at home. If you're the Rangers, that's not exactly a strenuous back-to-back where, you know, the Leafs are mm-hmm. playing playing Columbus on a Friday night and then flying back to Toronto, getting back at 2 o'clock in the morning and then playing the, playing the halves. But what's with the back-to-backs, though? What is with the back-to-backs? This can't come down to scheduling at the local arena. Oh, I, th- I, think, I think it does come down to that. It comes down really? to – Oh yeah, I, well, wow. I mean, you have you have a multi-purpose arena like Scotiabank where you have the Raptors and the Leafs playing in it. You have the schedules of the other arenas, um, and I know it's 
put into a computer and basically then I think they adjust it, but then essentially that's it. I mean, yeah, it's, there, there, there is no rhyme or reason, but that's just the way it worked out. Now in November, I looked at the schedule. Um, I think they have in the first week and a half of November, three games and they're spread out like three days apart. So it does lighten up, but, and I heard Elliot Friedman and Chris Johnston last night on the Saturday hot uh, Saturday headlines say that, uh, you know, there is no sort of uh, concern right now, internal strife regarding the Leafs uh, and their struggles right now. They were, they were putting it in the context of, is Mike Babcock in trouble, which I don't think he wow. is. But, 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 but the, thing, the thing is, it's like it, that's internally they're not saying that because this is a tough schedule. And, and, but, but externally, the fans, I mean, you look at the and you can believe it, you cannot believe it, but the commentary on social media, the commentary oh. on Twitter – I know it's whatever, but, you know, there is a, a lot of criticism of Babcock right now. There's a lot of criticism of the star players who, again, last night really did not show up. I mean, Austin Matthews really didn't play that great of a game. Uh, Mitch Martin made a, a nice pass on the on the Muzzin goal. Nylander, uh, not much there. Riley played 26 minutes against San Jose on Friday. I barely noticed him, and Tyson Berry was noticeable for all the wrong reasons, and people are starting to say, is this the right-handed Jake Gardner? So right now there's all this criticism and there's all this concern about the, how this team is playing, and I think they're better than this, but right now you can only deal with the here and now. I don't even know where to start, Mike. We're talking about social media. I go on from time to time. I don't go on like I used to. I used to have lots of followers. I was on for 10 years. I've retired. I'm retired from Twitter because it's the same people saying the same thing over and over again. Nothing changes. And then obviously it's certainly a bastion for a lot of disinformation, not just in sports, but right across the board. It really is. Twitter isn't what it used to be in terms of the way you can engage and have a conversation with people. It's just crazy. On the Maple Leafs tip, here's the thing. These guys are given ice time to go out and produce. And they're not producing. They're not playing the way they should be able to play. The idea that a head coaching change is going to do anything to help this team, uh, you know, emerge from its slumber at this point doesn't seem to make a hell of a lot of sense other than people just want Mike Babcock fired. Right. They're, and that's, and that's, the, that's a problem. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. understand how three eleven million million players – can't go out and just be $11 million players. Just go out and be what you have to be. The head coach is not holding you back. You know, he, Mike Babcock could have been fired after the way things went down in, in Game 7 in Boston last spring. I get that. But mm-hmm. because you're not delivering on the power play, because uh, this team is off to slow starts night in and night out, how the hell does that have to do with anything involving Mike Babcock? The puck is dropped. Go and play hockey. He's not on the ice. He's on the bench. He's trying to facilitate. He's not obstructing anyone. I don't understand how this falls back on the head coach right now. No, I, I, I agree. And like I said, I, unless this team loses 20 games in a row, Mike Babcock is not getting fired in season. The evaluation of him will take place after the year, after they make their run in the playoffs, or if they don't make the playoffs. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they have a good chance of advancing in the playoffs past the first round, depending on who they meet. If it's Boston, <laughs> you know, I, I until they beat Boston, I won't be convinced that they will beat Boston. But 
you know, I, this team has talent and, and it had to be expected coming into the season with nearly one third of the active roster changed from last year that there would be struggles. And there have been. The funny thing is, is that it's not the players that they've brought in other than Barry, who I think is a lot better than he's played so far. The, the, the players who have come in are the ones that are playing the best, the best two forwards on this team consistently this year through 13 games have been Alex Kerfoot and Ilya Mikhaev. That's, I mean, that's a statement. I know that, you know, they're not leading scores on the team, but I mean, last night I thought that they were, that they were really good playing with Marner. Um, Mikhaev is flying and, you know, Mikhaev is making $925,000 and on a one-year contract and is looking to probably get a new, you know, obviously looking to get a new contract. So he's motivated. Is there a little bit of comfort level in the guys who have made $11 million in Matthews and in Marner where, you know, they played pretty decently on, uh, on Friday, uh, you know, Matthews, uh, in the third period after he'd gotten knocked on his fanny by Brendan Dillon. Um, but they really didn't make much of an impact on Saturday and against a team who I think is average at best in the Montreal Canadiens, um, you need your star players to play like star players. And if they don't, you're not going to win the game with Ilya Mikhaev and Alex Kerfoot being your best players. I expect this team to be dominant, Mike. Am I wrong in having that expectation? OGs, converts in the community section, let us know what you think ails the Leafs right now. And not just, it's not like the sky is falling. This team is three or four good games and wins away from vaulting itself into a great position. What would you do right now to get this team uh, motivated and push forward? And we don't want to just bitch and complain about the whole thing, Mike. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and come back and uh, get into some of the OG comments. Hi, it's Nathan Jenner. Fill your goodie bag at Oak Ridge Ford. Our October deals are smoking hot. For a limited time, your new Ford comes with a 55-inch 4K TV. But when they're gone, they're gone. Get the 2019 F-150 Lariat with leather and navigation for only $547 per month, plus HST on a three-year lease with $0 down. Team Oak Ridge, where our reputation gets you here and the trust keeps you coming back. For full details, visit OakRidgeFord.com. The team you can Contact me inside the community section for more on how I can help you get into a new vehicle. We also appreciate Oak Ridge Ford for spending the time and the effort and maybe even a few dollars to help the Leafs combo continue to do what it does. JP inside the community section. Question, has a team similar to Dubas's ever won a Stanley Cup in the past or is this top-heavy skill-based team supposed to be the first of its kind, Mike? Well, uh, ironically, that a team that springs to mind that did that is was coached by Mike Babcock, and that's the 2008 Detroit Red Wings. Um, they were heavily skilled. Um, now, this is – and it's I, – I believe that that was in the cap era, the initial years of the cap, but he, they did win with the Zetterbergs and the Franzens and the – Datsuks and mm-hmm. Nicholas Nicholas Lidstrom. Um, you could say that the Penguins of the, uh, the the consecutive Penguin Cup winners in sixteen and seventeen were mostly skill based with Crosby, Malkin, those players. But you know, and the thing is, the difference is, I even with especially with Pittsburgh, there was 
some pushback on that roster. There were, and this is, this is one of my biggest concerns on this team. And I know that every time I bring this up, I sound like a, a Neanderthal or an old fogey or somebody just, you know, considers me some sort of, uh, you know, uh, psycho who likes, who just likes fighting. I, I'm not advocating fighting, oh. but what I'm, but what I'm talking about here is now there's been, there's been a few instances in 13 games, John Tavares getting laid out by, um, Shea Weber in the game against Montreal earlier in the month. Mitch Marner getting laid out. I think it was Petrie in the same game. Now Austin Matthews misses half a period on a hit that was, I think, now the NHL didn't think it was predatory or hit to the head. Um, I, I thought it was, but you know they can replay the angle 5,000 times and I can't. So I'll, I'll take their word for it. But there was no response whatsoever mm-hmm. from this team for their star player getting knocked and knocked out of the game because of concussion protocol. And that, that frightens me a bit because you know if they play Boston or if they play Tampa or you, even you can say you look at what teams are doing right now, the book on the Leafs is hit them, Try to hit them clean. Try not to give, give them too many penalties because their power play will kill you. But the only way you can beat them is to hit them mm-hmm. because they won't they won't respond. And that, and honestly, mm-hmm. I, I think that's accurate. They don't. There's nobody to, other than Jake Muzzin to respond. Mike, we know this. The opposition knows this. So what are we expecting? Why expect something other than what we continually get? And the idea, Mike, personally, that you have to preface your point by pleading with listeners and with people who respond to you on social media that, you know, you are not a bad guy for believing in the type of hockey you believe in uh, is unfortunate. And it's um, psychologically, I think you've been shamed into having to make excuses for why you like a certain type of hockey. This goes back to social media and the nonsense that it spawns. Just because someone types something and says, this is not 1978 anymore, means that you can't have your opinion on how this game needs to be played based on what you see and based on real facts and real issues and situations that we see in front of us. Look at you can be the you can be the best guy on the ice. You can be the nicest guy. You can have all the skill in the world. If the opposition, if the people across from you are hungrier than you and bigger and badder than you, they will beat you. So this idea that something's going to change along the way, that the Leafs are going to set a standard for play that all the rest of the NHL is going to follow suit on is absolutely crazy. So we can tell ourselves how good we are and how righteous and altruistic we are in the way we believe the game should be played, and that's all we're going to get. Telling ourselves sweet nothing because the Leafs will not win a damn thing, Mike, and you know that. Don't apologize anymore for what you believe in and how you believe this team should carry itself going forward. Well, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not, but I'm just saying, I'm prefacing it because there are people out there that think that that type of game is is past. And the thing is, look at the last two Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, Tom Wilson is a wilting flower. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sammy Blay and Patrick Maroon and 
four or five other forwards on the St. Louis Blues who would run their mother through the boards yeah. for a Stanley no, but Cup no, championship. Nobody's saying Basil McRae and Dave Tiger Williams are going to throw down before the pucks even dropped. Nobody's asking for fighting. What we're asking for is a higher tempo, a higher pace, more physicality. Because you know what? With skill, you will win. That's how it's going to be done. This is the NHL. Yeah. We're, the Leafs are going to play one way. And if that way is not good enough, we're going to see it. We're going to feel the results and, of it. And we know, and we know the focus because he's mentioned it many a time in post-game and pre-game and commentary. Uh, Babcock always talks and refers to heavy hockey and that, you know, players playing on the right side of the yeah. puck. Well, okay. you know, and I, I, you know, I, I, there, there is some validity in that and players, you don't have to be six foot five to play on the right side of the puck. If you are faster yeah. than the other player, you can, you can do that. But, you know, they just seem to have uh, it predominantly, you know, I, I like players like Trevor Moore and Dimitra Timoshov. They're skilled, but they, they play with energy. There are, there are some players on this team, though, that are not as skilled. And I, I point I, – even though he's had a better year, I point to Freddie Gauthier because he seems to be in a, in, held in esteem by the head coach. I still don't uh-huh. see it. Um, he doesn't provide any offensive ability. He is, you know, he is better than he has ever been. I still don't think he's an NHL forward. And there are players like Nick Shore who I think sort of take up space – uh, that yeah. and, and the thing is, these guys aren't really the problem. The problem right now is that the the big players on this team are not performing up to the level of expectation. But this is a concern going forward because when it comes time in the playoffs yeah. and those big players need to perform, you have to be able to protect them. And we've seen signs so far through 13 games that they're not being protected. Are we this dysfunctional already? We're not even through October. And there are issues compounded by more issues. Maybe this is all in our head, and we have to let this team sort itself out. Uh, Wait, just a couple more minutes. But Mm -hmm. the Leafs are not dominant enough to play ballerina, ice capades-type hockey and just be too speedy for anyone to catch. They're not that dominant. And that's unfortunate. I thought they would be dominant. The power play has been terrible lately. The, the toughness on the team executed mm-hmm. through the power play. Well, there's no toughness. Uh, literally no toughness. And the power play that has the expectation of and the need to provide the punch through offense is next to non-existent. So where is the dominance? Is it dominance... Is the dominance laying in wait until Sheldon Keefe has been elevated to head coach and then the players, these guys, these professionals, these adults are finally going to show up? This doesn't make any sense to me. Look, real quick, uh, in the community section, we have uh, James D. Well, another game where the highest paid coach in the NHL got very rich players to, quote, start on time. And Justin, they've given up on Babs. This, this is insane, this idea that these guys aren't playing um, up to their full capability because they want the head coach fired. It's a narrative, again, this goes mm-hmm. to this is a social media narrative that people pick up on and they, they compound and they drive into the ground and people start to believe it. There's no way the players 
are doing that because again, that that's a breach of contract. And I was taken aback a little bit by the comment, and I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, Mitch Marner spoke to the media before the game on Monday that I was at, and when asked about the fact at that point it was I think uh, eight games out of eleven that they had given up the opening goal. Um, he said, well, we're confident in our ability because we have such you know, talent here that if we give up the lead, that we can get it back very quickly. And they and do. That's all fine and they and usually do, the Mike. Confidence. To and be they, fair, they usually do. Right. I'm not saying it's right, but they usually do. And, they, and, you're, and you're right. And he is right. But the whole point is you are expending energy to make up for something that ideally you should not want to do. You know, you, you, okay. Great, you you surrender the first two goals against Montreal, and you spend the, the remainder of the first period and the entire second period tying up that game and trying to take the lead. Where if you had the lead, you know, maybe you could rel- relax a little, little more. Maybe you could play a more defensively responsible game instead of like putting yourself out there. It's it's a flaw in their character that they just don't seem to be concerned about giving up the lead early because, as we know, later in the year it is tougher. It is tougher to make up those. I mean, right now, October, you're playing freewheeling hockey in December, January, February, as it gets closer to the playoffs and teams, teams start to tighten up. It's not so easy to, to, to overcome an early two goal yeah. deficit. They have to get that thinking out of their head. War daddy in the community section. Well, the Habs game was embarrassing. Babs three piece suit didn't make a difference. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 his and his, and his McGill tie, and you know that, that all, all that stuff. All this stuff is, like, you know, I, I, one thing, one thing that is going to be very interesting, and I, based on the reports this week, um, Travis Dermott is on yeah. the verge of coming back. Uh, it probably probably happens sometime this week. Um, Zach Hyman is close. John Tavares uh, is two weeks will be, I think, Wednesday. This team needs some Johnny T, Mike. I think, yeah, the power play has really been John, hurting John. without him in the middle. I, yeah, instead of instead of Neil, instead of Neilander playing the middle, which I, I don't understand, um, you know, that yeah. they need Tavares there. But the point the point is that when Hyman and Dermott come back, and Elliot Friedman has reported this, and mm-hmm. so does Pierre LeBrun, yeah, everybody's reported, they're going price. to have to cut yeah, four players. Price. Yeah, four. Four players, and I, like I'm going to write about that this today. Four, you know, one, you know, two of those four players are easy: Nick Patan and Kevin Gravel, because they've cleared waivers already. And actually, Gravel has played a lot better than Martin. Who, who are the ever other two? Mike, let's play. get get at it. Who are the other two then? Patan, Gravel. In in my, in my mind, the the other two should be Marinson and uh, probably Nick Shore, but based on Babcock's of favoritism or you know who he likes it's probably they they could waive jason spezza no and i i i I, yeah i don't think that that's the right thing because i i honestly think if they waive jason spezza yeah i think he would retire because i don't know he'll be able to help down the stretch i think he'll be able to help with leadership down the stretch and who knows um a guy like that again a guy like that isn't going to be able to elevate the rest of the team he's going to be there to support he's going to be there to accentuate some of the good things the team is doing you can't expect a guy who's been in the league 17 years who's coming in for one last ride to, you know, ignite a fire under this team. It's, it's the Matthewses of the team, the Marners, the exalted Nylanders, um, Tavares, these guys. They're the ones who are going to have to do it. They're among the top 50 players 
in the league, not including Nylander. Um, you know, real quick on Babcock, this idea that he's not getting them ready to play early enough so they're not coming out of the gate fast enough and they're expending all this energy after falling behind in a game. So what is he supposed to do? If he's rough and gruff and a guy who's over 35 and an adult and says, come on, you sons of you-know-whats, let's go get your asses in gear and start playing this game properly. I need this team to get going. Oh, he's mean. What a mean guy. I need to go to talk to somebody about this coach. How about, well, dudes, I believe in you. I'm a player's coach. I want you to get out there, do your thing. I believe in you. I have your back. You have my back. Go show me. And it's a snooze fest to start. What is it? Which way do you want them to go? Do you want him to lay into these guys and have light a fire under their butts and get them going? Or do you want him to believe in them, believe in the process? Because it doesn't seem like, believing in the process works. And if he goes back to old school style coaching, he's a Neanderthal knuckle dragger. What, how do you want it? It's the players, man. It has nothing to do with the coach. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard Mike Babcock um, mention starting on time, uh, I'd be buying a new car from Oak Ridge Ford pretty soon. Um, you Free know, winter tires and rims it, right now. It, well, it really, depends. you'd probably be, you'd probably be buying they, used off the cash lot. So, um, we'll actually pay, we'll pay you to take it. <laughs> but, but, but the, the, the point, the point being is that there's just so much that you can do as a coach to remind your players, to poke, to mm-hmm. prod your players in the end, it's up to them. And the, and the, the, the greatest concern so far through the month of October is complete lack of mm-hmm. any progress with this team, not just their blue line, because I think their blue line is better than it was last year, but team-wise, defensively, this team has been inept. And and honestly, you know, you you can have the greatest offense in the world and they're you know second or third in the NHL in goal scoring. If you have the worst goals allowed, which I think going into the game yesterday they had, and they gave up five to the Habs. It negates all that talent offensively. You have to be able to play two-way to win in this league. And this team so far through 13 games yeah. has not proved that they that can play two-way That many goals high. allowed with arguably the best goaltender in the league on the team? Crazy. Uh, if you're new to the podcast and you don't go to the community section, if you just leave comments below these posts on YouTube, that's great. Go to the community section. We're trying to build something uh, with a nice interaction over there, pre and post game pre and post podcast Donnell Finn he's one of the best uh and when he posts he posts I mean he posts uh hi all big time hater here in fact that might be the OG Leafs combo hater in residence Mike I don't even have to go through the next 6,000 words in the post to give you a sense of how he's feeling he's not really a Leaf guy, but kind of a Leaf guy. He likes to take shots at us. He's self-deprecating. Exactly mm-hmm. the type of person I want in our ecosystem. Welcome, Donnell. We appreciate what you bring to the table. But if you read it, um, he's, he's pretty pretty cynical on the Maple Leafs and, and the, the way they're paid and you know how these guys are elevated into the status of superheroes, yet aren't necessarily delivering. Let's be fair. This team has earned their criticism so far. They're not playing up to expectations. 
Um, you have players who are purported to be the best players in the league. We've heard guys like Craig Button, who I have a lot of respect for on TSN, talking about Austin Matthews not being a franchise player or not being as good as Leon Dreisaitl. And he's got nine goals. He's a, you know, he's a great player. We all know that. But the question is, is he a franchise player? Is he somebody um, – remember, when he started out, I, he wanted to be the next Kopitar, the next Jonathan Taves. Well, defensively, Matthews has not been good this year. I think he's trying to score goals, and that's his job, but also it's preventing goals. And, you know, I don't think he's been strong defensively, and he has to be a two-way player for this team to have any kind of success going forward. So that's the battle here. Well, will they improve as the season goes on? I think they will. There's too much talent here. But I'm skeptical, and I've been skeptical since the offseason, whether the formula that was put together by Kyle Dubas and has to be implemented by Mike Babcock is going to work. The highly skilled, no pushback, which I think other than Jake Muzzin, this team really doesn't have, whether you know that type of construct, whether that will work. I'm an, I'm an interested observer. I will see. Is this on the head coach or does this start with the general manager? I think it's on both. I think it's on everybody. It's on, there's responsibility from the players. There's responsibility from the coach. There's responsibility from the, from the general manager. Um, you know, the whole, the whole thing this week with, the, with Patrick Marlowe, the admission by Babcock, which I thought was very, you know, I mean, I think we, we all knew it, but the admission that they knew that this was a two-year deal for Marlowe, they couldn't get Marlowe here without the third year and that they would have to deal with the third year because – you know, Matthews yeah. and Marner's contract will be coming up. I mean, okay, so they, they that, t- in my mind, was uh, a, a admission of irresponsibility by the Leaf organization and Lou Lamorello and, to an extent, Mike Babcock, because I'm sure Babcock wanted Marlowe to, badly to come in to be uh, that yeah. example for his young players. They, they, they knew in that third year they were going to have to give up something significant to get yeah. rid of Marlowe's contract. And it ended up being a first round pick. And luckily they, and they learned the lesson from Dave Nonis and, and, and Brian Burke and protected that first round pick in case, you know, God forbid they missed the playoffs, but you know, that that's a significant loss to have to give up the third year to, to, have yeah. to get rid of that third year of the contract to fit, to fit all these guys underneath the cap to give up Look. a first round pick. That that's that you Look, know, that's significant. Patrick Marlowe did the job while he was here. He did what he had to do, ushering uh, a, a group of young men who were on the verge of being superstars from one level to the next. He did his job. The cost um, we'll be debating as to if it was all worth it in the end. The Leafs have the Capitals at Scotiabank Arena on Tuesday. The Caps are on fire. That's the type of game where I think the Leafs could come out and beat them, make everybody start feeling good again. But we need to feel good over multiple games, Mike, and that power play needs to get going. Last word to you. Yeah, you can only hope that the Capitals fall asleep like they did against Edmonton earlier this week. They had a, th- they had a 3-1 lead against the Oilers, were dominating, and then the third period basically tried to play a defensive shell against McDavid and Dreisaitl and gave the game away. So you have to hope that that Capitals team shows up and not the team that uh, scored three goals in the second period with Alex Ovechkin dominating like he usually does against OG's Toronto. Converts, we need your support. Go to oakridgeford.com. Just browse around if anybody's in this area and you're looking for a vehicle for yourself, for your kids, for your parents. 
get at me inside the community section. We're on Patreon as well, patreon.com slash TLC patrons. Throw a couple dollars our way. I'll send some swag back at you. The Leafs convo will continue in the days ahead. Michael, have yourself a fantastic Sunday, brother.